0: and welcome to UX Shortcast. Every day, I handpick the hottest articles from the last 24 hours to bring you the coolest and most exciting updates. Get ready for a quick yet catchy snapshot of what's new and buzzing in user experience. Ready to get inspired? Let's jump in. Today, on February 7th, I have the pleasure of inviting you to another episode of UX Shortcast. In Scamper, how to use the best ideation methods, Rika Friesdam and Tao Yuxiang break down a simple way to come up with new ideas for products or to improve what you already have. SCAMPER stands for substitute, combine, adapt, modify, put to another use, eliminate, and rearrange. It's like looking at something through different glasses to see how you can change it up and make it better. You ask a bunch of questions like, what can I swap out? Or what can I get rid of? To find new angles. It's a tool that helps you think outside the box and find creative solutions. Kind of like how a good businessman finds new ways to beat the competition. Mad Sugard recently penned an article titled, Top 5 Customer Journey Mapping Tools, Plus Templates. That's all about understanding your customers better. Imagine you're running a business and you want to see your shop through the eyes of folks walking in. That's what customer journey maps do. They're like a story of how people find and buy your stuff and where they might get stuck or frustrated. The article lists five top-notch tools to make these maps. ClickUp, Miro, FigJam by Figma, Lucidchart, and UXpressia. Each one has its own perks, like ClickUp's whiteboard and Miro's big canvas for team brainstorming. They come with templates to get you started, and some are even free to try. By using these tools, you can figure out the rough spots in how customers deal with your business and smooth them out. This can lead to happier customers who keep coming back. It's all about making sure your business is serving folks the best way possible. In native, web, or hybrid app, which one is better? By Mad Sogard, we learn about the different kinds of apps for phones. Native apps are built for one kind of phone, like an iPhone or Android, And they're super fast and can use all the phone's features, but they're more expensive to make. Hybrid apps are like a middle ground, working on any phone, cheaper to make, but might not be as slick. Web apps run in your internet browser and are the cheapest, but you need a good internet connection to use them. So, it really comes down to what you need the app for and how much cash you're willing to spend. Erez Reznikov in UI Elements Are Not So Elementary breaks down why designing websites ain't as straightforward as it looks. Imagine a checkbox or radio button. Simple, right? Not quite. To make them look good and work right across different browsers and devices. Developers gotta jump through hoops using tricks like hiding the basic button and replacing it with fancy custom designs. It's like a duck on a pond. Looks calm up top, but paddling like crazy underneath. And when designers and coders don't speak the same lingo, it creates a mess called Delta Debt, where stuff doesn't line up and everyone's unhappy. Reznikov suggests better tools and teamwork can fix this, so the web works like we want it to. In Designing User Onboarding, Lessons from Figma, Duolingo, and More, written by Ben from UX Collective, we get a look at how big tech companies make sure folks stick around after they start using a product. Just like a good restaurant makes sure you're happy from the moment you walk in until you leave, products like Figma and Duolingo do a great job at keeping users engaged from the start. Ben points out that a lot of companies drop the ball by not guiding users enough after they sign up. It's like they show you to your table and then vanish. This leaves users scratching their heads, wondering what to do next. The article emphasizes that solid onboarding can make users 7.2% more likely to come back and even spend more money. So, the big no-no is when onboarding ends too soon like with the old design tool sketch. They'd get you started, but then leave you high and dry. The key is continuous support, making sure users don't feel abandoned. That's the secret sauce to a successful onboarding experience. In benchmarking, how to provide valuable comparisons around UX research, Kai Wong dives into how to show that design changes are actually improvements. Imagine you're fixing up an old car. You don't just say it looks great. You prove it runs better than BE4. That's benchmarking in UX. Taking measurements before and after changes to show real progress. Wong points out that while stories from users are helpful, they don't always give a clear picture of success. It's like if five people said the car was tough to drive before, and now three say it, that doesn't tell you much. But if you can show the car's mileage is now 8% better, that's solid proof it's running smoother. So. Benchmarking is about picking the right things to measure, figuring out how to measure them, and comparing the numbers before and after tweaks to see if there's true improvement. It's a way to make sure you're not just spinning your wheels, but actually making the ride better for everyone. In Unintended Design Consequences by Eda Person, the article discusses how sometimes good ideas can backfire in the long run. For example, Tom's Shoes wanted to help by giving away a pair of shoes for each pair sold. Sounds great, right? But it ended up hurting local shoemakers and the communities they aim to help because they couldn't compete with free shoes. Similarly, our smartphones connect us, but they also make us distracted and isolated. The article suggests we should think more about the big picture and long-term effects of our actions, using something called responsible innovation. This means we should work on making things better without causing new problems. It's about being careful and thoughtful with new ideas to really make sure they do good without unexpected harm. Marie Lou Vin from UX Collective penned an article titled Systems for Products, Ecosystem of Design Systems. It's all about crafting digital products smartly. Instead of jumping straight to making a website or app look pretty, it's crucial to think deeply about what users and businesses need. A design system for products guides teams on how to create user-friendly journeys and flows before they become actual screens. This system includes big-picture principles that all products in a company should follow, like making things accessible and coding in a way that's top-notch. It also talks about product patterns, which are like recipes for common tasks users need to do across different products. Ensuring things are consistent but not cookie-cutter. Lastly, there's a focus on processes. It's about how teams work together to keep the design system useful and up-to-date, involving not just designers and developers, but also legal, branding, and more. The goal is to make experiences feel connected across all products without squashing creativity. Thank you for listening, and I invite you to another dose of knowledge tomorrow.